I'm so glad um, to be with you today. Um, I grew up in Lima. I spent some of my growing up years here. My dad was a pastor, not at this church, but at one of the other churches in town. Um, and so I was here, uh, it was about 30 years ago, but it was when I was a little girl. And um, so it is really surreal to come back and to be preaching in the same town where I grew up. So I am delighted to be here. I'm delighted to share with you today from the gospel. And um, if you'll pray for me, I'll pray for you, and we will, we will get into the word. Almighty God, I am so thankful today to come into your presence and to be able to share um, the word of God. I pray, Almighty God, that I might speak your words and that um, as we look into the scripture that we will understand, that we will hear, and that we will take what we learn and go out. I pray this in your holy name. Amen. So Pastor Jason read for us this story about Philip and the Ethiopian. At the very basic, this is a story of personal evangelism, of witness. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, personal evangelism, witnessing, may be one of the scariest things that we're called to as Christians. But it does not have to be scary. So we're going to start at the beginning, and we're going to talk about this today. You've been studying the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus tells the disciples, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The whole book of Acts, the whole foundation of the early church, the whole philosophy and lives of those early Christians is built on that verse. You will be my witnesses. And they were. The disciples traveled, they spoke, and people were added to their number daily. That's what the scripture tells us. The book contains the stories of the apostle, the acts of the apostles, and the witnessing that they did. But we know that the Bible is not just written for those disciples in that time, in their circumstance. It's written for us, to lead us and to guide us in our today, in our lives. And so when the Holy Spirit lives within us, we will be Jesus' witnesses in Lima, in Ohio, in America, and to the ends of the earth. The way Pastor Brian said it a few weeks ago is this, we are to testify or to witness to the world that Jesus is Lord. And by witnessing to that, we can share with the world God's love and the healing, the spiritual healing that comes through Jesus Christ alone. God's mission, God's vision for the church is to transform the world. It is to show the world God's love, to share with the world that Jesus came for salvation of sins. And that mission, the mission that we're called to as the church, needs to be constantly placed in front of us. We need to be reminded over and over again that this is our purpose. It is why the church exists. It's why we're here. We're not here for ourselves. We're here because we already know Christ. And so we want to share with the world what we know. In the book, The Purpose Driven Church, a survey reports that 89% of church members believe that the church's purpose is to take care of my needs and the needs of my family. 
only 11% said that the purpose of the church is to win the world for Jesus Christ. My guess is that response doesn't stray too far from where most people are in the church. As believers, we come to get something. We come to pray, we come to worship God, we want instructions for how to live, we want to be taken care of and care for each other. And those things are important, and they're good, and they're necessary. But they're not it. They're not the purpose of why we exist. Only part of why the church exists is for us. And so we need to spend time and energy and resources doing what the church is called to do, which is being Christ's witnesses out in the world. Individually, God may call you to be a pastor or a plumber or a pediatrician. God may call you to be single or married. God may call you to serve on the school board or sit on the city council. God may call us to any of a number of things, and it pulls us all in different directions. But there is something that brings us back together, a mission or a purpose that pulls us back. And that is the one mission that we are all called to, which is to be Christ's witnesses in the world, to tell people who don't know Jesus about Jesus, to tell people who don't know that there's salvation for sins about the salvation for sins, to tell people that Jesus loves them, and that there is life more abundant. That is the job of us all. It is our common mission, and it is the purpose of the church. So again, God's mission, God's vision for the church is to transform the world, and God's mission is our mission. God's vision is our vision. I believe this is the fundamental nature of the church. We are to be missional, or we're not really being the church. We are to be focused on those who are not here. If we accept this understanding of who we are called to be, then we will seek to return to the mission-mindedness that we see in the Acts early church. We seek to return to the disciples' movement and the mission that we have been reading about in Acts. Our God is a God who sends. God sent Jesus to earth and said to him, uh, who said then in John twenty twenty one, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. As followers of Christ, we exist in this sending tradition. And so the logical question is, sending us to do what? Well, what does Acts 1, 8 say? To be his witnesses. I need you to talk to me. Okay. We'll get through it together, but you got to be with me, okay? We are being sent to be his witnesses. And another way is if you look in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, right? Go and make disciples. All of the encouragement that we're given in the scripture about what we're to be doing is sending languages, going out languages, making disciples, right? So we are to be Christ's witnesses, to testify to the world that we have been changed through Jesus Christ. We are to be evangelists. Now, who is excited about being an evangelist? We've got a couple. I think the rest of us are probably scared. That word is a little bit of a scary word, isn't it? Because when you think of an evangelist, you think of um, the slick-haired back guy that comes to your door and knocks, right? Or you think of the person on TV with the big pink hair, you know that lady that I'm talking about? Okay, this is what we think of when we hear the word evangelist. And it's a little bit scary 
Um, we've all had experiences, I think, with church people that are a little bit scary. But our mission to the world doesn't need to be like that. God doesn't need us to be a used car salesman. We don't have to make the gospel exciting. It's exciting on its own. We don't have to pressure people. We don't have to memorize a sales pitch. We don't have to rack up conversations or put notches in our Bible. All we have to do is tell people about God's love, to tell people our story, to witness to what God has done in our lives. Tell people how God has changed you and what God means to you. And that's it. God will do the rest. In fact, God has to do the rest because we know that we can't change somebody's heart. That has to be God. So when Jesus commissioned the disciples, he said, you will be my witnesses. Christ followers are the way that God has chosen to transform and save the world. And that's an amazing opportunity. It's also an awesome responsibility. But if we choose, we get to be a part of changing the world. So how do we do that? Well, you've been reading through Acts the disciples showed us how they were doing that. They were being Christ's witnesses. They were doing what they were called to do. They were sharing the gospel. Gospel means good news. They were sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And today we heard this awesome story in Acts 8 about Philip and an Ethiopian. So today we're going to talk, we're going to bring it from this general what we're supposed to do, yes, we all know that we're supposed to be mission-minded, down to a personal interaction of personal evangelism. We have this wonderful story in the midst of all these large conversions. You read these stories in Acts, and it's like 3,000 were added to their number that day, and that seems really overwhelming and scary. But here we have this beautiful story of a one-on-one personal interaction, which is really where most of us are going to live. So picture this. Philip after being told by the Spirit to be on this road, is walking beside this chariot. He hears the Ethiopian eunuch reading the scripture. He jumps into the carriage and starts telling him about the scripture, shares with him Jesus Christ, and then he gets baptized. So this is our example. And as we think about applying this passage, you may be thinking, well, I'm not an evangelist like Philip. This passage really is not about me, it's not about how I'm going to live, but one of the important truths that we see here and throughout Acts is that God uses people just like us. He doesn't use evangelists, people who are great at speaking, people who are perfect in every way. God uses fishermen, right? And so this is a story about personal evangelism, personal witnessing, one person to one person, a normal guy just sharing about Jesus. And I think this may be the reason that this story is included in this text because it's one of the few examples of personal evangelism that we see in the Bible. This one-on-one interaction where someone hears about Jesus. And Philip takes this long journey just to share the good news with one person. That's how important one person is. And this story is really a great example for each one of us. Throughout Acts, we see that a lot of the mission of the early church was done by lay people who just shared their faith wherever they went. Public preachers sometimes would stay in one place, preach to 
groups of people and the lay people were sent out. They went out and they were witnessing. And the fact of the matter is that lay people come into contact with non-Christians in a way that paid pastors just really do not. Because pastors, we sit in our offices, right? We work at the church. We go visit in the hospitals. But the people of God, you're out in the world. Your, your jobs are out in the world in a way that ours just aren't. And that is how God transforms the world. Every single one of you is crucial in that. For the most part, we are, when we are being missional, we will be in a long process of somebody deciding about Jesus. The journey has ups and downs, but if we pay attention to what is happening around us, we will see opportunities arise. There is going to come a moment when the idea of witnessing turns into a reality. When we move from understanding what we've seen in the Bible, that we're called to be missional, that we're called to be evangelists, to sitting in front of a friend who is in need of something, and they're not sure what, but we know what that is, right? They're in need of Jesus. And so there's going to come this moment where it's not just head knowledge, it's got to be experiential knowledge. And we need to be prepared when that moment comes. And it's terribly scary, but it's also completely amazing. And this is what happened with Philip and the eunuch. So, from Philip, I have six keys. And the first, the first group was a little scared about six keys, but it's not, it won't take that long. We'll get through this. We're going to have six keys to personal evangelism, okay? Are you ready? The first one is this. It has to be scripture-based right? We have to know the Bible. We have to know our stuff. Philip witnessed based on scripture, and we're to do the same. The good news that's in the Bible, we don't have to make that up. It's good news. It's amazing, and it's for everyone, but we have to know it. We have to know what the Bible says. Now, we don't have to have the whole Bible memorized. In fact, that's very few people in the world are able to even come close to doing something like that, but we have to know it. We have to be reading our Bible. We have to be in it. We have to know what the stories say. We have to know what the themes are. We have to know our Bible so that when people come to us and when they have questions, we can say, yeah, let's look at that together. And the caveat to that is when you don't know the answer to something, which it's okay to say, you know what, I don't know, make sure you follow up. Make sure you get back in there and say, we'll find out together. We'll ask pastor. We'll go find it, okay? Know your scripture. The second one is this, know Jesus. Now maybe this should be the first key, probably, right? Know Jesus. Our witness should always point back to Jesus. Jesus is the reason for salvation. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our savior. Jesus is our light. Everything about our message should point back to Jesus. Jesus himself said, I am the way and the truth and the life in John 14, 6. So we must not only know our scripture, we must know Jesus. And not just up here. It's not just head knowledge. We need to have experiential knowledge of Jesus. Because how can we share the good news with somebody if it hasn't changed our lives? If Jesus hasn't done something for us, why do we want to give it to them? So we have to know 
the scripture. We have to know Jesus. Key number three is this. We have to be obedient to the Spirit. Now, this is the first thing that we notice about this scripture. When you look at the scripture in Acts 8, the Spirit is telling Philip what to do. We have to be connected to that Holy Spirit power that's talked about in Acts 1.8. When the Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. Okay? We don't get to be Christ's witnesses without the Spirit. We cannot go into the mission, into the ministry of Christ without that Spirit. So we have to be connected to the Spirit. The Ethiopian didn't just drop into Philip's lap, right? The Spirit told Philip, you have to go down this certain road and then hang out by his chariot until he's ready and then jump in and tell him about the Scripture. Now, how many of you would do that just for the fun of it? None of us, right? You have to be told by the Spirit. So we have to be connected to the Spirit. And through Philip's obedience, the Lord opened a door that then led to the conversion of a man. So we have to allow the Spirit to guide us. We have to be connected to the Holy Spirit. Allow God's Spirit to live in us, to guide us, to move us. Key number four is this. Look for a well-prepared heart. It doesn't matter how perfect we are. It doesn't matter what we say. It doesn't matter what we do. If someone is not ready to accept Christ, it's not going to happen. So we have to be looking for it. We have to be waiting for that moment. And it may take a hundred conversations. It may take only three. But be looking for that prepared heart. Philip discovered that the Ethiopian had been prepared by God before he even spoke to him. And when Philip got in there and they had that conversation, it happened almost immediately, didn't it? Because the Ethiopian's heart was prepared. God can lead us to people who have been prepared to listen to what we have to say, but we are just one part of what God is doing in that person's life. Leighton Ford in the Good News is for Sharing says this, A young pastor was used to lead a hardened criminal in a county jail to Christ. This pastor told the preacher, Now, preacher, don't get a big head because I accepted Christ. You're just the 25th man. On asking what he meant, the pastor was told that at least 24 others had witnessed to him about Christ before he had chosen to accept him. We don't know at what stage we will come into people's lives or what stage they're at if they're part of our life, they're part of our family. We don't know at what stage that will be. We may be the first person to share Christ with them. We may be the 67th person to share Christ with them. But we need to be prepared and look for that heart that is open and ready to accept Christ. Key number five is this. We have to start with their questions. This one is hard for us because we assume that we know what people need. We assume that we know where people are. But people are not really interested in what we think that they need. As we see from Philip, we need to start with where someone actually is rather than where we want them to be. And in this one verse in this story, verse 35, 835, then Philip began to speak, and starting with the scripture that the Ethiopian had asked about, 
he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. Now, we don't know how long it took Philip to get from the scripture that the Ethiopian was talking about to Jesus. But what we know is that Philip started with where the Ethiopian was, where he was asking questions, and then led him to Jesus. Because like I said, everything needs to come back to Jesus. We need to start with where people are at, where they're asking questions. Because if we try to force something on them, they're not interested. People want to know that we care about them and where they are. So we have to start with where people are, start with their needs, and show them how Christ can meet their needs. Okay, this is the last step. Scariest step, hardest step, maybe the most uncomfortable, but absolutely necessary. We have to aim for a response. Now, this is not every time we talk about Christ. It's not every time we witness. It's not every time we share. Because we will have a lot of great dialogue about Christ that will never lead to a conversion. We will have a lot of great conversations with people as as just a link in their journey. But, as we see in Acts, there are times when we have to aim for a response. When people's hearts are ready, we need to aim for a response. Don't leave them hanging if they need to make a commitment, if they're ready to be there. We must look for opportunities to bring people to the biggest question of probably their lives, which is now that you know this truth, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to commit? Are you ready to follow Jesus? Will you commit your life to God? There's a lot of ways that you can phrase it. And you know that person. You'll know how to do it if you're being connected with the Spirit and if you're looking for how to do it. But don't allow them to just let it go if they're there and they're ready to make that commitment. And if they say no, let them know you're available if they change their mind. So when we're witnessing, when we're being Christ's witnesses, when we're testifying to the goodness of God, we have to know our scripture. We have to know Jesus. Know Jesus. We have to allow the Spirit to lead us. We have to look for a heart that is ready and available. We have to start with that, where that person is. And we have to aim for a response. Encourage them to follow Jesus. Church, what we do here, it's not primarily about us. We come here to get informed, encouraged, prayed up, fixed up, and excited to go and share Jesus with the world around us. We exist for the people who aren't here. We don't have to be exceptional. The message we carry is exceptional. We don't have to be articulate, articulate. We just have to be ourselves. We don't have to have all scripture memorized. We just have to be willing to share what we know. What made you excited about Jesus? Share that with the people who need to know him. We are not Philip, but we are people whom God has saved and who, if we are willing, can be used by God to change the world. So look for opportunities. Be prepared, and you just might be the final link in the chain of someone deciding to follow Jesus. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
Philip took that challenge. He lived it out. He lived in it. Will you follow him? Will you be Jesus' witnesses in the world? Will you pray with me? Holy God, we are so grateful for the story of Philip, for the encouragement from the word to be your witnesses, to share the love that you have with the world. God, you have placed on us a responsibility, but also a great opportunity to be part of what you are doing in the world. I pray, Almighty God, that we will be encouraged by that, we will be encouraged by Philip, and that as we go out today, we will consider how we can be a part of a church that is witnessing to the world of the love of Jesus Christ. Almighty God, help us to be bold. Help us to be courageous. And help us to be your witnesses in all that we do. Amen.